as we go to God's word now, I can't start teaching it if the premise onto which you stand is not sturdy. It's not foundational. So I can't say what is God's purpose for your life and give you a motivational talk here about how great you are when in fact I've lost the very premise onto which we're supposed to be standing on. So my standing or my premise should be from this. This is where I build from to find out who we are. This is somewhat our manual into what I am, what I am or what he is and what where we are going and the reasons for our worldview. And so that's the heart of a believer is to finding out who you are in God so that you could be able to be fulfilling the purpose you were created for. Now, in my house where I am, I have a chair, I have a bed, I have a kitchen, I have a table and none of these things that I have in this house are all screaming out, I am the best. So I, I would say I value a good shower at the, at the end of a day, a nice warm shower, hot one. But I can't say to the toilet, you're not important because I also equally need the toilet. But I don't love the toilet as much as I love the shower. <laughs> so in God's kingdom, he's got many vessels for many purposes and all for his good pleasure. So at some point here, somebody in the house is going to say, hey, wait a second, I want to be next to God. Then you say, no, I'm God's favorite. And then that goes into where Paul comes into and says, one is, uh, uh, one wants to, one is for planting, one is for watering. But he says that we are all co-laborers. Co-laborers mean that we are all equal in the kingdom of God. Now, if we are all equal in the kingdom of God, what does that mean for us? It means that Find out your specific task into which you work in this kingdom. Now I'm going to start off by saying, okay then, we've got so much information about everything under the sun. We've got information about the stars. We've got information about the soil, everything about how our body works. But nobody has the decisive information about what were you created for? Who are you? What has God gifted you to do in this world? And that's the heart of it. What has he gifted you towards? Now, go with me to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. So follow along with me because through the reading of the word, you're going to see where I'm taking you. But And, and get a pen somewhere and write on the verses. It will make good sermon preparation for one Sunday when things are a bit dry, if you know what I mean. Can we just get the yesterday's verses before the, before we <laughs> I'll give it to you later. I'll take a picture of it and I'll send you. Okay, so we're going to Galatians. The connection was very bad yesterday. Oh, okay. Sorry, man. So what today, Galatians, or what I'll do is as I'm going through the passages, it's important you take it down because what you want to do is do become like the Berean church. What they did was after they've uh, heard the message, they went back, they meditated on it, checked it out to see if it's actually of God. You don't just want to be listening and say, ah, it sounds good, but it means nothing. It wants, you have to test it. So I encourage you to go back and look at the verses I give you within the context into which it is taught. Don't just let me pull it out now. And then you say, ah, okay, this is what it says. So we're looking at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Now, the question we are asking today is, what is God's purpose for my life? Before you answer that question, we have a problem. 
we have a big problem. The big problem here is what is God's purpose for my life is a question that is not legitimate as a believer. How can God have a purpose in your life? If you believe that, you you are not in Christ. So you cannot say that what is God's purpose in my life and believe to be a Christian. You have to say to rephrase this question is what is uh, God's purpose? That's it uh, uh, in my life. And that question now to a non-believer wouldn't be any different. We'll just have a small G. What is God's purpose in my life? But in my one, I can't say what is God's purpose in my life because the life that I now live in the flesh, Galatians chapter 2, have a look at it. So look at that passage where you opened up. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. So if I've been crucified with Christ, anyone wants to follow Christ, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Remember? So now we are saying he has to be crucified with Christ. Number one, it is no longer I who live. So the question of what is God's purpose for my life is wrong because I shouldn't be living. The person that should answer this question, what is God's purpose for my life, is a non-believer. And it's not with a big G, it's with a small G. Okay, so it is, but it's Christ who lives in me. So, wait a second. So the life that I now live in the flesh, look at it next part. I live in the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God for it is righteousness where through the law then Christ died for no purpose. So to answer this question in its rightful form will be to remove yourself from the picture and take up your cross and follow him. Now let's look at the life of a non-believer because we have to answer this. There's so much more in Christ that I I would rather start with the non-believer because it's quick and easy. You'll get the point easily. You'll know what's the purpose for their life. So let's look what's the purpose for a non-believer. Uh, what's God's purpose in the non-believer's life? So we, we need to do a little bit of background here. So we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you go there, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where you got your Bible, you know, just make some nice uh, personalized notes for yourself. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Wait a second, I got a new identity, that's what it means. It means I am no longer the Brendan that was born from my mother's womb. I am a new believer. I am a born again believer because I'm the righteousness of God. So to find out what is God's purpose for my life, if I'm out, if, if it's my life, then I have no righteousness in God. If it's my life, my sin is still before me. I have to die. So to answer that question, the most important part of this question is, who am I? And why am I asking this question? What is God's purpose for my life? If it's for the believer, it's the answer is coming now. You can see that it's Christ in you. It's uh, his purposes and plans, his righteousness. But now if you're going to, let's go one more before we carry on. Let's so, so we can establish that we are not our own. That's what I'm trying to say. That you and I don't belong to ourselves. Okay. Let's now get that grounded somewhere. We need to find a scripture 
that has to say something about who am I belonging to, right? So we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We have to turn with me. You have to look for it in the Bible. Don't know where it is. Stop me and say, hold on, I'm five minutes. I need to just check where that scripture is. Go to the contents. Sometimes it's easier to go there than to <laughs> try to search. Okay, so we got 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. Okay, I'm going to go for it. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. And then look at the next part. You want to know purpose as a believer? So glorify God in your body. So glorify God in your body. Right? Now let's look for the non-believer. Non-believer is quick, quick and sharp. So I know that we're not going to be going here and there. We just got a couple of verses to go with non-believers. So with the non-believer, we rephrase the question. We just got to change one thing. We've got to take the capital G of God and make it a small g because the non-believer doesn't know the God of the Bible. He's blind. He's, he's away from God. He's in the world. He's alienated. He's cut off. He's blinded. He's dumb. Everything you can think about, this man is dead in trespasses and sins. So go to first, uh, go to Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Right, you there? Romans chapter 1, verse 21. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Okay, there we go. For although they knew God, who they? The people, right? They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools so to know God is to acknowledge God so those who don't know God don't acknowledge him and not that they don't know him because his invisible attributes are clearly visible to them it's just that they don't want to know him or have to do anything with him you can read the rest of the passage but go to just turn over the page chapter 2 verse 6 and 8 chapter 2 of Romans verse 6 to 8 he will render to each one according to his works you see he will render to each one according to his works to those who by patience in well doing there we go again the doing part seek for glory and honor and immortality he will give eternal life but for those who who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There we go. So it, that's, that's how easy it is. That's the non-believer part. Done. So there's a big difference now. We're still asking the question, what is God's purpose for my life? Now as a believer, we say, God, what is your purpose that you should do in this body that you have where the Holy Spirit resides? What is the call you've given me to do within the church? Then with the non-believer, he's saying, what can I do? Then you heard the, the shamans and all the, the, the gurus and all the sangomas and the chiefs and the, the uh, what they call them, these guys in the Indian mountains. They, they look inside themselves and they need to see 
inside of them may be what God is calling them to become. And so they're going to some place of enlightenment. But to get to that place of enlightenment, they've got to remove every aspect of themselves out so they create a void. When you're creating the void, the demon coming inside them and then they're going to be manifesting that spirit because there's nothing there to fill them. And so they're open to anything to become and therefore they prostitute themselves into the world. And so they achieve, they are, they are trying to chase after the things of the world. So now this brought me to a question. It brought me to a selfish question. The selfish question is, God, if everything is about you and for you and that you've not talked about the world, you've not talked about how am I going to fit into this world, you've not talked about how do I sort of uh, engage with paying my rent, uh, looking, sending my children to school, um, about how can I get the best job, guess best car, best house. You never talked about all that. So where does that fit into my purpose? Because I have to get that there because everyone is getting, that's called success. And then, then the scriptures will say to you, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added as a byproduct. Those who labor by the gospel shall be fed by it. So we don't, we eat off it as we preach it. Then the question is, but don't you see this is a one-sided dimension? It's only to God. Everything is to him. Isn't that a boring life? What about the parties and spending time with families and joking? Can they not have fun? You know, there's no fun in the scriptures here. I'm not having, I'm not, where, where's the part about uh, drinking with my mates? Or where, where's the part about, you know, um, just having a relaxed time. So you just let your hair down. You know what I mean? You don't have to be religious all the time. And this is where we've been bluffed. We've been bluffed that there is a satisfaction and a passion that is satisfying in the world that the church does not have. And this is what the devil has trapped us with. That true success is found in the eyes of the world rather than in the eyes of God. You would see that Jeremiah or Isaiah, I mean, some of the things God asked them to do, like uh, cook with the cow poo. Uh, next one was to go naked. Next one is to leave everything and follow him. Next one is for anyone wants to follow Christ must deny himself, deny himself that he doesn't exist, that he now takes on everything for Christ. Isn't that boring? Where's that car or that, uh, where's that uh, posh house or that, you know, where's those things? And so now if you're not satisfied in Christ and the call of following him, meaning denying yourself, then this is not for you. The gospel is not for you. It is, it goes to a point where it says, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. We've got to find it in the scripture to, to show us that, that if you're not satisfied in God, you're never going to be satisfied because you're always going to be seeking that next big thing. And even though that big thing doesn't exist, it's, it's, it's only a carrot to the donkey. It doesn't have any bearing in the kingdom of God. So what's worth, I'll call it worthy in this world, is worthless in his kingdom. So we're going to 1 Peter chapter 4 and we're looking at verse 2 to 11. So 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 2 to 11. 
you know what it's so encouraging you see this techno f1 there there's no electricity that looks like the only light in that house and she's parking outside or he's parking outside there and he's getting the bible study in the daylight in that light there you know what that's the heart of it is that we have lights right now we switched it on and we got broadband but some people are paying for data yeah and i think you understand a little bit more than to those who do have what it means that to follow the lord when you have and you don't have and sometimes we forget it you know so first peter chapter 4 verse 2 to 11 since therefore christ suffered in the flesh arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin now this is the part you need to hear so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions there you go so there are human passions that are in this world that i mean i'm not joking or i'm not i'm not trying to be a holier than thou I mean I I love the passions of this world I love a good movie but I know a good movie in that one movie has sex has has nudity has violence has uh, foul language and slowly our hearts have become uh would say numb to these things for the will of God but for the will of God now this is where you need to highlight you see the greatest difference in what's God's purpose for your life is this part here not for the flesh but for the will of god that's that part for the time that is past suffices and flesh no longer uh, uh, and doing what the gentiles want to do so these things sensuality passions drunkenness orgies drinking parties lawlessness idolatry idolatry we cannot don't go think of putting a statue up it's about that car that you want that house that you want your money your your things that you've achieved those are idolatries with respect to this they are surprised when they do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and malign you so you don't have to join them but when you don't join them you're going to suffer persecution but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead and says for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead that though judged in the flesh the the way people are that they might live in the spirit the way god does so it's talking about us here living a life that is i would say counter culture the world is putting attributes that are valuable and god is saying that's not where he is taking us he's asking us to deny ourselves to take up the cross to follow him to leave all that we have and seek his kingdom first now is this not radical if you think about it so the question now is if it is for the will of god so what is god's purpose for my life is the fa- to do the father's will is to glorify him through my body so what is the father's will so i take you back to jesus in gethsemane So Jesus is at Gethsemane and he is uh he's got this cup in his hand and he says uh, father uh, not for my will but your will L- let this cup pass from me Is Jesus asking at this moment can you take away the will that you have for me to suffer and die so that I need uh, that I don't have to suffer on the cross and I don't have to suffer pain Now that would be our response to it But Jesus response wasn't that 
he wanted it to not be to be taken away from him so that he would not be separated from the father we are going the exact opposite like peter did we are saying father take this cup away from me because the pain is too much <laughs> we've removed completely the aspect of the father's will for your life and my life and the father's will for our life is the purpose of god so if you go to isaiah chapter 46 i'm not going to read it but you can go to it later isaiah 46 says that there is a man that god is sending to overthrow israel because they're not listening to him he's going to punish them by taking them captive and and stripping them of their of their glory and he's going to send this pagan man called king cyrus and he prophesies before even the guy was born that there's a man named cyrus is going to come and take your place take away he's going to remove you he's going to be a, a thorn to your flesh and god has already foreordained even the non-believing world as you read as you read isaiah and as you read jeremiah you're going to see the prophecies were not just for israel they were for the world the god of the bible is giving a word for the world what he's going to do he didn't just isolate it to oh this is only to israel and it's like a lucky packet whatever happens happens but if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen no he knows the beginning from the end and how much more if he knows the beginning from the end does he not know your life does he not know your pains and struggles and difficulties so count it uh, joy brothers when you suffer tribulation and trials for this is the testing of your faith to produce the character that God is seeking after i'm not saying that uh, suffering is a to be gloried in we 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 know that in Christ there is power we know that in Christ there is miracles and there is there is a, a change that happens that no man can do however the outlook of your life as to the purpose god has called you cannot be short changed by the lures of the world the passions of this world the 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 carrots of the world that are saying come get a better job come get a better house you need to pay your bill if you caught in debt you are a slave to your debt if you caught in it you can never be free now if god's calling you to be a bond servant of jesus christ how can you be a bond servant of jesus christ when you sold yourself already to pharaoh you've got to strip the chain away you've got to say whether i have or don't have i belong to the master and so if god has called you to preach the gospel you've got to put in light away from the money do i have enough money to preach it do i need do i have enough money to start the church god never asks us to all all he's asked us to fulfill the father's will for your life in by glorifying him by your body offering your body as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to him that is your reasonable worship now in closing go to romans chapter 12 now we covered this yesterday and i want to close with the same thing romans chapter 12 romans chapter 12 and this is our purpose if you are seeking god for what he wants you to do in this world before you go home he you have to come to a place where the world means nothing to you any longer where you are ready to go home tomorrow but if you got debts and you got credit cards and you got loans and you owing this person that and you owing that person this you can't sleep at night 
how is the cross glorified? There's a challenge here. You are caught. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, tra- changed by the renewal of your mind, by testing. You may discern, you may discern, right? What is the will of God? Do you see that the will of God comes out of the page now? It just jumps out (laughs) that the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Otherwise, you can never find it. Now, you may think, well, well, it's easy for you to say you probably have everything. Me, I'm still struggling. I've got to pay this. I've got to pay. How am I supposed to live? Well, I'll tell you somebody who's had everything and and what he thought about it. Go to Ecclesiastes. Go to the last part. Remember Solomon? He was saying... uh, all this is vanity. Remember, he says, build big houses is vanity. Uh, even your pious religion, vanity. Everything vanity. And he sounds so negative, right? Right? You remember that, right? So now go to Ecclesiastes. Go to the last passage, uh, chapter 12, and look at verse 13. And this is your answer today. So with this one here, we can say that we know God's will. So Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 12 and at verse 13 are we there okay i'm gonna go for it the end of the matter the end of all that which we are living for everything all has been heard fear god and keep his commandments fear god and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man that's what you're called to do fear god and keep his commandments easy <laughs> easy right just, just just that this is the whole thing fear god keep his commandments for god will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing whether good or evil so with that whatever you are hiding as a minister not minister lay person a church attendee maybe sitting on the fence don't know whether you're saved or not saved your secret things are going to come to pass. There was a time where they, the prophets were lying and they didn't want uh, the, the they wanted to tell the king what God is saying. And God would say to them, who do you think I am? Who do you think I am that you could hide anything from him? At the end of the day, you've got to seek God and seek his purpose to know that Are we following his commandments? Love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart. And are you fulfilling his commission? Go into the world, make disciples. Not converts, make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Teaching them uh, all to observe all that I've commanded you. And that's your purpose. And in that purpose, is there any room for, as we say in South Africa, a jol? <laughs> the time is short. Redeem the, the redeem the time. And so if God is going to expose this and if, he, if we are to be called home tonight, are we living for purpose? Or are we enjoying the world, eating, drinking and marrying and 
he will come as a thief in the night and we'll be caught off guard. So that, let's pray and then I'll open to questions. Maybe you have a question like, uh, you know, uh, how does one deny themselves? Maybe that'll be a good subject for tomorrow. Tomorrow's subject will be, how does one deny themselves to take up the cross in this world? So that's tomorrow's subject, six o'clock, same time. And uh, we'll cover that. The aim of this is, is to equip the minister, everyone, whether you're a pastor or not a pastor, whether you're a church follower, you have a responsibility of being a believer within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm.